0: Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every
1: day.
2: Panthers defeated the Philadelphia Flyers 2-1 to in overtime. I'm Rachel Donner from the Locked On Flyers podcast here with Russ Cohen, also from Locked On Flyers, and Armando Velez from Locked On Florida Panthers, who gets to talk about the winning team.
1: (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. It's great to do uh, yet another crossover with uh, Locked On hosts. And um, this is my second straight day uh, doing a uh, podcast with uh, Flyers content creators. Uh, yesterday, I was I did an episode with uh, Mary Clark of the oh, and yeah. NHL show. So very thankful to be doing these uh, the last two days with you guys.
2: Love, Mary. That is so good. Yep. So, so uh, the Panthers did come out on top of this one in the end in overtime but i think there were definitely periods of the game where each team kind of had their moments but what was your take armando
1: i mean it, it it's funny because before the the philadelphia flyers scored their uh first goal the florida panthers were really dominating um the zone time they're dominating the shots on goal um and then once uh the philadelphia flyers uh caught uh the, the florida panthers on a line change um and uh connect me was able to connect with uh uh ferby uh mm. for that goal of that beat bob five bit and th- there's been rare times where bob has been beat five hole this year and that was one of the few times that you uh seen it the first two years you saw that quite a bit but this year has been a little different for sergey Bobrovsky. and after that the flyers were just dominating his own time as well. So that that's the momentum swing that they needed, uh, that there for, uh, and that was after the Florida Panthers had a rush on the other end. So the Florida Panthers, even, I feel like even if they didn't have a line change there, they weren't able to get set on the other end. So that was a bit of great ice vision by, uh, connect on that one to make a stretch pass over to, uh, Fairby. And then, this was this was also the first game that the florida panthers did not score four goals at home though they're still 11-0 at home uh and one went away from the record this was the philadelphia flyers really gave the florida panthers probably their biggest challenge at home this year and the the panthers the the fact that it was this close and andrew burnett talks about playing from behind not wanting to be too much behind neither and that's something that they, they often faced really on the road. Uh, the Florida Panthers they they didn't they found a way. That's really what it came down to. They found a way and showed in that uh, third period with Bennett on the power play goal, beautiful feed by Duke, and then Ekblad on that game winning goal. Now he has five straight games with a point, um, seventeen points in nineteen games now, and definitely a guy who needs to be considered for uh, the Norris this year.
0: Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I do vote, and he'll be in there. I think Fox is a little ahead of him, but I think he's in the conversation for sure. Dowdy would have been the leader, but he got hurt, right? He was he was amazing. Um, you know the connecting play. I think it was his hockey IQ because he saw it was a bad change, so he knew he could rip off a pass like that. And Farabee's very confident, in when he's coming in on net, even during this streak where he doesn't score. He hasn't been scoring. He, he knows like he, he really is very decisive with the puck always has been. And so I wasn't shocked to kind of see that result. Uh, The look, Martin Jones was great. He really was both goalies were great. I mean, they both were reading, reacting, they were doing everything you needed to do. Jones probably had the best save of the night, but you know, in that regard, it probably doesn't matter. Florida didn't give up though. Like you said, Florida, they were going to, get their chances and they they figured out i think in the third period midway in the third they figured out okay we're going to stop with the singular chances because after verhage had some glorious chances we're now just going to pass it around the horn and get him moving and i do think that that was something that after all those saves with jones i just i felt like florida wasn't going to be denied in that period and even though the flyers did have a really good chance that they had that one great chance, but I just looked at it that way. Eckblad, I'm happy. I'm happy. He's healthy. I've, I've interviewed him. Even when he played for the Barry Colts, I went and drove up to uh, Erie and saw him against McDavid Barry against Erie. And I still have a picture of it, interview from it. He was a great kid. Uh, Just, I, I just really like this guy and really root for him. So, you know the fact that he played that kind of game and we talked about it when we did our preview you know rachel and i said hey look aaron Eckblad's a force you've got to deal with him now you know one other thing on the flyers and that was good was you know morgan frost played really well i still think the expectations from the broadcast were a little too high for him but that's fine he he did play well good for him and they did put Ristolane in on top pairing. What I didn't realize is that they were going to just switch pairs, but they, you know, I'd been talking about that since last show. Like maybe that's one of the changes they should do. So I think they should stick with that change for now. Cause you got to keep Braun on the third pair. All that said, Florida's in good shape, man. I mean, they, I don't think brunette is going anywhere. I know the popular theory outside of Florida was he can't possibly keep this going. And I was like, Why? Why can't he? He he was with the team. It's even if it was a Quenville team, he was still a part of it. He knows who he knows these guys. They will play for him. I see no issue.
1: Yeah. And the best way was to uh, promote from within for uh, for for this team because of familiarity. Uh, Rachel, you had something to say.
2: Yeah, I just want to talk a little bit more about some of those standout performances. Russ, you know, on the flyer side, you mentioned a couple of them. Martin Jones, I want to talk more about Martin Jones because um, he is continuing to surprise and delight, I think. You know, he, he had a couple rough games, but I, he came back strong in this one. And, you know, stopping uh, 43 of 45 shots, the Florida Panthers had 18 high danger shots in this game and like that is ridiculous and to be able to withstand that pressure especially you know like you said armando at the beginning of the game when the flyers just came out completely flat and they were tired martin jones kept the flyers in this game overall so i absolutely want to make sure he gets the proper credit he deserves on that and you also mentioned morgan frost coming into this game and i just really think you know, this call up, we've mentioned that it was a, a really difficult situation for him to come into after the tough loss against Tampa Bay and, you know, coming into a, a team that maybe was a little bit down and to have to take on this responsibility of, of being maybe this spark and you know i think he he performed admirably like you said russ i think he played real well defensively Mm -hmm. he you know forechecked a little bit when he needed to he got a little creative when he needed to you know he still has a little way to go but i think this was an excellent first outing for him and then i also do want to mention you know the flyers uh put everything in a blender this game all the the lines and and the d pairings and i just want to you know bring up one that i thought really stood out and that was with morgan frost was the line with joel farabee who scored the flyers goal with frost and atkinson i d- i think that's a line that could stick
1: yeah i like it
0: i i and again they um atkinson had that great chance in in overtime i i will say as far as like anton Lundell, now that's a guy because i i do a lot of draft work and I, I, I called to Finland last year to interview him because during the pandemic, it was like, I don't know, there was, I knew there was going to be another late draft. So I was like, well, I got to interview him and really see what makes him tick. And what I had took, taken out of it. And I give, I give Florida credit because, uh, they kind of knew what did make him tick. And that was, he didn't score goals last year. He, he was looked at as just a defensive center and guy who could win faceoffs, guy who plays smart hockey but uh when i spoke to him he was like you know i didn't shoot enough and you know my dad's a goalie and i know how to read goalies tendencies and and so i was like you know what this guy is going to score goals and he came out last year and really came this no last year yeah last year he came out and really started scoring in buckets and i was like okay so now he's looking like a goal scorer. And now up in the NHL, well, I got to tell you, he had a really good third period and a great overtime period. I'm not shocked that he's getting all this time on the ice. I think they're just confident in him. And like I said, I, I really give the Panthers credit because I think some teams passed on Lundell because they didn't think he could score.
1: Yeah. And last year in uh, HIFK Helsinki, he averaged almost a point in game. He was just one point off from yeah. averaging uh, a point a game. And, um, even though he got hurt in a uh, training camp very early in the prospect uh, tournament, um, there uh, coach Q when he was the coach at the time, he talked about his, his role was always, um, his main role was going to be mostly possibly the first forward in along with Barkoff on the penalty kill. And tonight he led all forwards in ice time. He led all forwards in shorthanded time on ice too. So that's another thing for uh the Panthers he leads all rookies in face-off wins as well and he leads all rookies in shorthanded ice on time um I mean th- as far as the sexy numbers like what Lucas Raymond is putting in Detroit right now chances are Anton Lindell likely not going to win the calder this year chances no, are no. but I agree. It, it's but the progress that we're seeing with Anton Lindell and him seeing some second line center minutes too with Alexander Barkov not playing right now it's a great opportunity for him and when barkoff uh comes back and he gets sh- gets shifted back down uh to the third line it's going to c- definitely create more balance for this lineup and anton Lindell, the the florida panthers are very uh thankful to have him and fun fact uh, for the philadelphia flyers uh listeners uh, my, the panthers fans know this but he's actually rooming with alexander barkoff up in uh, Boca Raton right now so okay uh, oh, yeah nice. so yeah so he's uh they uh definitely are building that chemistry off the ice and uh barkoff is being like a, a helping hand out there for a uh rookie uh living in the U- u.s for the first time
2: that makes me feel so old thinking about barkoff as the older mentor mm-hmm.
1: right
2: now so were there any other standouts for you armando right
1: ryan, ryan lomberg uh ryan lomberg is one who uh who's a fourth line left winger uh, for this team and he continues to bring so much energy. Um, he didn't get a point tonight, but he was on a uh, he was on a three game point streak just a few uh, days ago and he he definitely continues to bring that energy, he has a lot of speed, he has a um, he had quite a few uh, opportunities on Martin Jones I believe i'm looking up his. Uh, uh, he had two shots on goal, but man, the the speed that he's able to use for him to uh, race for pucks, uh, go to the boards, uh, Ryan Lomberg is definitely uh, one that is starting to catch more people's eyes, and David Dork um said he has to be uh, an everyday player uh, for this team. Gus Forsling, his two-way game is continuing to improve, and this is a guy that the Florida Panthers picked off waivers from the Carolina Hurricanes, and he had two... Uh, big stops on breakaways. Uh, he prevented a better chance from Cam Atkinson early in the game and another chance from Claude Giroux. Without uh, Gus Forsling there, they probably would have had great a chances on Bobrowski. But uh, him having a stick in there, uh, Gus Forsling continues to uh, be such a force and uh, a big part of that top four for the Panthers.
0: Yeah, I give Brian McCabe a lot of credit. I speak to him just about every year and and because I like his take on on the prospects. And, you know, Forsling's interesting because I think the reason Carolina did that is because I think Brendamore, when he feels like someone's not playing Rob Brendamore hockey, they just cut him. Like, they don't even care. And they've made other mistakes that way, but they're lucky because they're deep. So that was a uh, an astute pick, pick up. The You know, the other thing is, I'm really surprised, and maybe he's going to be trade bait at this point, that Denisenko hasn't broken through. So the fact that he hasn't, makes me think he's probably going to be trade break because I know the organization likes him. I just looked up his numbers. They're pretty good. They're not great. Uh I don't get it. Cause I'm telling you, I've seen him in world junior play. I've seen his speed. I've seen everything. He was, you know, he, it's just, it's, it's weird, but maybe he'll take another year. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. And for As far as the farm for the Panthers, last time I checked, Logan Hutsko is uh, probably the biggest uh, top-performing uh, Panther, and this is his first year in the organization. I could
0: talk to him about him for a sec because I covered, um, I think he was, I want to say he was BC, right? Mm. Yeah. So I covered one of his games a couple of years ago, and I think it was in like one of the regionals. And I got to tell you, his speed was so good. I even picked him up in a fantasy, like, league that that we have drafts and everything and we have key you know keepers dynasty league i picked him up because i got him for next to nothing that's how impressed i was with, with logan and i i knew he was okay but he had really gotten better and better and better every year and he is a positive kid who has pro speed and great hands and i do think when he comes up he get more points than people realize and i do think right now they're they're doing the right thing with him because he just needs probably a little more work in his own zone but he could play
1: Mm-hmm. only thing is he needs to stay healthy he's had injury issues yes. even before he got to college so he stays healthy he'll definitely be uh he'll definitely be uh, a productive player yeah they're
0: game. deep is lucky I mean even if they go through some injuries or COVID they have guys that can bring up mm-hmm. for sure
2: so for me I think the most positive thing to come out of the game for the Flyers is that again like after that just horrible game against Tampa I really do think they were able to recover to some degree and they kind of played through the exhaustion and somehow found energy and a will to at least stick with it and get some quality chances as the game went on i mean you know if you look at the underlying numbers the flyers didn't even like crack the coursey <laughs> or like, right, like the the yeah. chart would stayed firmly on the florida side the entire time but I do still think they managed to level it out a little bit. So it was a little bit more even and, you know, just show some resiliency, which I think is important at this point in the season when um, everybody was kind of down on them after that last game and Mm -hmm. Flyers kind of dipped from the cocky side of the scale to the distraught side of the scale that Flyers fandom does. So I appreciate that a lot. Just... You know, from a, a mindset perspective, but uh, Armando, what do you think? Like the the biggest positive takeaway was for the Panthers.
1: The biggest uh, positive takeaway was the fact that they had their chances. They knew they were getting uh, great goaltending from Martin Jones, and they just refused to refused to quit. Um, for sure, um, they uh, had a few undisciplined penalties. both uh, mo- mo- and I'm not. I'm not here to argue whether it is a penalty or not, uh, whether Ekblad was boarded earlier or not. But the fact there that a
2: ton of missed calls in yeah, this game on both for sides, sure. I for think sure. you just kind of got to throw your hands up with this I, one.
1: Absolutely, and but the fact <laughs> that twice now, twice in that game of Ekblad retaliated, and as a referee myself, we do catch retaliations as well uh, mm-hmm. most time, more more times than not um vetrano had an unsportsmanlike as well um um thinking he was tripped uh whether people agree if it's a trip or not but and Mackenzie weger there were times that he lost this cool as well uh i forget who he uh smashed to- hit, um, towards the boards um there, there were times where the florida panthers had to calm themselves and and be a little bit more composed in this one and despite losing it at certain parts of this game they're able Once the third period started, you you didn't see any of that from the Florida Panthers. I
0: will say this on on the Flyers broadcast, and they were getting a little too cocky before the cross check penalty. They were like, oh, I guess the cross checking penalties are over. And, you know, then Proveroff got it. Look, he's got to be smart enough to know that you can't just fool around with your stick anymore and put it in someone's back. The minute you do that. If the other player drops because, you know, he's going down like he's a soccer player, then he's got to do that to try and get a power play. And if he puts anything into it, no matter what it is, it's getting called. Like it just is. So to me, it's like, you got to take that out of your repertoire now. If that used to be in your repertoire, you have to remove it. Like that. That's the way I looked at it. It wasn't a great call, but I got to look at it from the perspective of Provorov's got to be smarter there.
1: And I see it from the perspective of live action versus replay. Yes. And, and in live action it's hard to see whether a guy flops or not, or whether it's an embellishment it all the time. So it's really, it's really hard to see it from that. And, and like I said, I bring referee uh, tactics to the show all the time. Oh, no, it's and- good. I, you
0: know, the fact that you do referee does give you a little leg up. Cause a lot of times I sit next to a referee in the flyers box and we, you know, he sees things sometimes that I'm not noticing, but one thing that I don't know if we all noticed or not, I know they talked about it for a brief second. Every time, players that are teammates when when a guy leaves a team there's never a hundred percent a guy though, they love him hundred percent right there's always players that maybe didn't love that guy and it seemed like connect me and and gudas were on that plane where they didn't really like each other it wasn't like a mm-hmm. hey you know nice to see you or even you know trash talking just to have fun trash talking it looked like it was getting a little serious there and so that's something to maybe look for down the road.
1: Yeah, for sure. And also um, at the end of the first period, uh, there was an interview with Ryan Lomberg about uh, on a breakaway that he had with uh, Keith Yandel turnover. He's like, Oh, I knew I could beat uh, Yans on that one. I'm like, Ooh, I, I-, I might want to see a little bit of a practice tape uh, to see if he, ha- if he did beat, <laughs> uh, Yandel on transition once. No,
0: you know what he did. I Yandel had at least one or two of those plays, but again, like he's had him his whole career. It doesn't have to be in Florida. It could have been in New York. It could have been in, at the time, Phoenix. I mean, you know, he's had him his whole career. So he's speaking the truth. He is mm-hmm. like, it's just, that's the way it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't blame him. I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and plenty of them. Maybe you want a yummy dessert, but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Bilt Bars. Bilt bars, the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories and that's on the low end. Most Bilt Bars are only 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with a coconut Bilt Bar or go for a raspberry Bilt Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein. Covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built Bar. Or two, share some with your family gatherings. It will make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at built.com regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like built Bar Black Friday. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all Sorts of surprises. Go to built.com and use promo code lock15 and you'll get 50% off your order. Use promo code lock15 for 15% at built.com.
2: So, just some general stuff about the Florida Panthers uh, since we have you here. It's so great to be able to ask these questions because the last time we spoke, Joel Quenville was still the head coach of the team. So how have the Panthers players handled the coaching change? And, you know, we alluded a little bit to a potential long-term plan, but what do you think is going to happen there?
1: It, it, it really just depends on how it, 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 it's simple wins and losses. It really comes down to that and postseason success as well for this team uh, as well. And, the the panthers the expectations never changed even the moment he resigned they knew they had the talent they were 8-0 at the time uh of the of the resignation and though the decision to have him coach the night after the whole kyle beach uh interview came out it's not a good look it's not but uh the fact that they were and they immediately had a uh back-to-back on like really the next day after his resignation, so that was tough for the pe- players. They did win the first one in overtime, lost the second one in a shootout. Uh, had a, a, had a, I believe a home game after, and then then this team was really starting to get tested. Where they had a four game road trip um, after, where they went 0 and two in that one. Their first sense of adversity, where they lose their only two regulation losses this season we're on a back-to-back and Sergei Bobrovsky missed the week with an upper body injury. So Spencer Knight started both games of that, of the back-to-back. So the young goaltender going through his lumps, and you guys know about a young goaltender going through his lumps. Yeah, I wanted to talk loss. about
0: that for a sec, because when that was happening, like, look, I've watched Spencer Knight at, at BU. I've seen him for the NTDP. I've seen him mm-hmm. in international play. And then we saw him last year right in the playoffs. I did think that was a little unkind to do to him because even though he looked good last year, and I did think he had a chance to maybe be a Calder guy this year, if Bob was going to falter, because we didn't know how Bob was going to play this year. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a rough thing to do to him because, you know, that could shake a kid's confidence. I don't think it would with him because I do think he's pretty mentally strong, but still I, I bristled when that happened. I was like, really? They're going with him back to back. I didn't like that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the second night of the back to back, Bobrovsky was healthy enough to be the backup uh, yeah. when, when he missed a week. And uh, I, I haven't checked uh, Christopher Gibson's numbers uh, recently, but he wasn't having a good season in AHL Charlotte when they did uh, call him up uh, on, on emergency. So th- the Florida Panthers wanted to do everything they could to not have Christopher Gibson start if they could have prevented. No, I mean, I
0: get that, but once in a while, you kind of have to do something like that, even yes. if you don't want to.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah um the fact that spencer knight went a whole week off without uh playing especially after that seven three lost against the devils um he bounced back uh, uh his very next start was against that very same new jersey devils team and he had 45 saves his career high so yeah. his very last game in bc he gave up five goals uh, so and he's and then he starts off his very first game uh, against the columbus blue jackets last year where he only gives up one goal and it's a power play goal so Uh, As far as bouncing back I I don't have a reason to believe that whenever Spencer Knight does have a bad game that uh, that he won't bounce back I don't have a reason to believe that he won't.
2: So one thing that we've talked about a little bit is that Panthers home record and they have just extended that streak. What makes them so much better at home than on the road? Cause they have faltered on the road a little bit, including losing to the flyers.
1: Um, no, they, uh, beat the flyers, uh, four, two. Uh, that was the, that was the Yandel turnover on the shorty. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. yeah Huberto had a big
0: game. That came yeah. Here.
1: I covered that. Uh, one. So, um, yeah. Th- so the, the five losses, all of them on the, on the, on the road. So they're, they're two, two, two and three or two, three and two. Um, on the on the road right now so it just comes down to comfort like i said at the top um the only the only game that they had where they didn't, they didn't score four was last night against the flyers and they cut that in the flyers were able to cut that in half and especially those two regulation losses their only two like i said earlier was that back-to-back against new york and new jersey what both of those games had in common was that the opposition had four straight unanswered goals. The New York Rangers scored four right off the bat and the Florida Panthers were just unable to weather storms early in that one. The second time around, the Florida Panthers were tied 3-3 at the beginning of the second period. So it was uh it was a it was a high scoring affair early on in that game against New Jersey, 3-3 entering the second period, then four straight goals. The Florida Panthers can't weather storms in that one. And then the most frustrating one of them all in that recent trip where they went 0-2 and 2 was when Andrew Burnett went for the storyline instead of the proper uh proper uh player in the shootout against Pittsburgh, where he went with Patrick Hornquist for the shootout win instead of a better option. I would have preferred uh someone like Anthony Duclair. So he Hornquist. went with that. Option.
2: Yes. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, he okay. went with Patrick Hornquist. To, you know to, sometimes
0: to, coaches just reward guys for having a good game but you yeah. got to remember if they stink in the shootout you shouldn't do that yeah
1: That's so funny. yeah that that was a little bit of uh of a gut-wrenching one where he went with that option i was just like oh like i get i kind of get it and then the the one against tampa that was uh, just a goalie show on both sides by vasilevsky and bobrovsky and right. there was a big chance that air bled had an overtime backhand against Vasilevsky where it's just like you have to throw your hands up and say what can you do Vasilevsky the best goalie in the NHL and he against any other goalie he probably scores and you, you probably have a good end to that road trip and uh I, I was I was actually in person for that one in, in the press box up at Emily Arena and that was uh that was that was hard to watch and then Braden Point right off the bench goes all alone on uh Bobrovsky and that's the second goal in months um, dating back to last playoffs where Braden point has a breakaway at the other end uh, on Bobrovsky for a game winning goal. And um, yeah, even though Braden point is out right now for the Tampa Bay lightning, uh, that's a, that's a player. That's a big uh, Panthers killer. And, but still the fact that the Florida Panthers, the first game that they returned home after that O two and two trip fans and myself, uh, we were reminded what this team is of how 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 much they feed off that home crowd. Whether as much as people want to make fun of uh, attendance and all that in Florida, they're they're reminded of how much uh, they're able to score. They're reminded they reminded everyone how much they they're comfortable there, and also Sergey Bobrovsky. It's so great to see the bounce back of of Bob um after an underwhelming first two seasons for this guy uh this guy this guy is definitely in the conversation for yeah we all killed him
0: i mean yeah just there was no way around it let let me ask you about owen Tippett because that was a guy who i really liked in his draft year a great shot had a little pushback to him but you know i I knew he was gonna have to get a little faster and and get better in his own end and now i'm i don't remember for this game but i know for other games he was on the line with huberto there seems to be a little bit going there. That's a great landing spot for him. It seems like he's finally found his groove. What do you think?
1: Yeah, and it really started towards the second half of last season for Owen Tippett where he was uh, bumped up to that second line with uh Huberto and uh Sam Bennett. Uh had a beautiful goal in the playoffs uh against uh the Tampa Bay Lightning in game 1 and he had another beautiful goal just the other night where Aaron Ekblad had uh two defenders on him. Uh Aaron Ekblad was able to get like a drop pass to Owen Tippett and he uh Uh, Owen Tippett goes uh, backhand forehand on uh, Cam Talbot and uh, he's been able to uh, he has a and he has a one thing that Owen Tippett has is he's a sometimes he's able to really create his own shot and that's a and that's a beautiful thing to see and now before Barkoff got hurt he was on that he was shifted down to the third line paired off with uh, Anton Lindell Um, and to have a player who's really great in his defensive zone in his uh and great in the face-off circle from Lundell and, and, and a shot creator like owen tippett and uh, a speedster like frank Vitrano on that third line i i think it would have been a great opportunity for all three of them in that line but of course Barkoff got hurt everybody had to be shifted up one so now tippett is paired with joe thornton but also Who else would you want to be paired other than a a legend in this game, in Joe Thornton? So that's another great situation for someone like Owen Tippett. And there was this one goal, even though Tippett didn't get an assist, um, the one in Tampa, um, Tippett was going through the slot. He was checked by Victor Hedman. And even though he lost the puck, he was able to retrieve it, work it around still. And without him working that around, uh, they don't score on, on a shot from um Aaron Eckblad from the point and deflected in from E2 Listerina so that was that was a goal that I credited emotionally I gave him an emotional assist on that one for continuing Uh, the old
0: emotional assist interesting Mm -hmm. well you know listen anytime you get a puck back from Victor Heaven, you got to
1: feel good about it Mm -hmm. definitely for sure and um some questions I want to ask um you guys, even though, um, Carter Hart didn't, uh, play in this one, he did play in the first matchup against the Florida Panthers. Um, I asked a little bit of, uh, about this, uh, with, uh, Mary Clark of Crosscheck check NHL. And I want to also talk about this, uh, with you guys about, uh, what's the biggest difference of Carter Hart from last year to, uh, this year.
2: Oh man. I just, his confidence is just so much higher than it was this year. And, you know, I think that he has just found his center. And I'm not like a woo-woo kind of person, but it feels like he really just is tracking the puck a thousand percent better. And his side-to-side is a lot better. He's closing off. There was like one really bad uh, off-angle goal that kind of snuck in between him and the pipes this year, but just one. I really feel like he's learned to, you know, close off those angles a lot better than he has in the past. And he just has, like I said, this level of confidence and he's more relaxed. Like he just doesn't seem anxious out there at all. And he's just, you know, doing his usual rituals. And, and I think that um, you know both goaltenders, but Hart especially, are like carrying this team to some degree right now, and he seems to be doing fine under that sort of pressure. And he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, just doing my thing. That's fine. I'm a crazy goalie, and <laughs> and that's how it is. You know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I could add a couple things. Um, first one is they definitely worked with him last year and changed some things. I believe he was playing deeper in the net. And, when, and I've seen Henrik Lundqvist do that uh, middle of his career. And it worked for him. Yeah. But I think it worked for Lundqvist because he wasn't necessarily susceptible to high goals. But if you're kind of susceptible to high goals and you're playing deep in your net, you really have no reaction time to stop it. And I do think too many guys were scoring that way on him last year. And then when he was losing his confidence, then he couldn't handle the puck either. And so that he would have some horrific turnovers. All of that has definitely changed this year. And I do think last year there was a level of frustration too after a while. And so all that's gone. And I don't think it's going to come back. I also think it's like sophomore slump. It happens.
1: Mm-hmm. And when, uh, Spencer Knight went a whole week of, uh, slumping, uh, the color, uh, analyst for the radio, Billy Lindsay, talked about, uh, comparing, uh, Spencer Knight to Carter Hart's, uh, slump last year and definitely seeing how nothing's going to rattle him. Um, I'll tell you one
0: thing, Knight did something I've never seen a goalie do. I talked, I I mentioned this to Rachel the other day Uh, in warmups in Philly, that four, two game, he wasn't the starting goalie, but he stayed at center ice. And instead of stretching, he was kind of doing all the stick and puck tricks. And I've never seen a goalie do that with a goalie stick. And he was hitting it up in the air, catching it on the blade, doing all that.
1: You never see a goalie do that. I thought, wow, that's that's kind of odd. I need to see the broadcast show that more, you know, <laughs> for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, next question I have is um I noticed that this time around, uh, Keith Yandel's not on uh Power Play One. Uh, he was shifted down to uh power play two, and that's that one that's what Keith Yandel is uh known for. Uh but as and great for the florida panthers to still honor a guy like keith Yandel, who was with this team for 5 6 uh 5 years before being uh bought out. Yeah, they um, said he
0: played like i don't know 384 consecutive games with them, so yeah. something like
1: that. So talk about um the the florida panthers players they still love him. He's a great leader in the locker room. But what 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 are your impressions on uh who keith Yandel is on and off the ice? Well, yeah. I think
2: I think he's pretty much, you know, what he's been on the ice in terms of, you know, he'll make a couple mistakes, like he always does, you know, a couple of turnovers. But at the same time, he is that strong veteran presence and he's a great partner to whoever he's playing with. Like he always knows how to compliment the other defensemen in the pairing in order to make sure that they have the best chance of trying to clear it out of the zone or, you know, making a good play in the neutral zone. I feel like he's been his neutral zone play has been pretty positive overall. And then, um, you know, on the power play, the Flyers power play has been a disaster, like just complete top to bottom disaster. And so I don't really feel like Yandel is to blame for that. I think everybody is to blame for that. Uh, But when he has been at the the top of his game and at the very beginning of the season when the power play was actually looking good he was he was great out there at the point um doing what he does in terms of puck distribution which is which is amazing but off the ice i, I feel like he's been such a godsend um he's hilarious we love having him around and just like some of the little goofball videos he makes uh we appreciate the flyer social media team on that front <laughs> Um, and then also he's uh, just, I think, a good support system for Kevin Hayes right now, who unfortunately hasn't played, but I think, you know, it's more important than ever that he has that support and, you know, having a friend like Keith Yandel is is great for him.
0: I'll tell you, like Rachel said, he was really good and I still think he's their best option for power play one, but when he had like, you know, one puck stick, stick uh, bounce over his stick, when he sort of was making I would say risky passes on the power play and it went the other way then AV all of a sudden just I think he reverted back to when Yandel was on the Rangers and he took him off power play one there too and so he hasn't gotten a sniff on power play one since the only thing they did that was different was they would play power play two before power play one when the Flyers um power play was imploding I still think he's their best option because he's their best passer Provarov's not a great passer on the power play First, first or second time through first 10, 20 seconds. He's okay, but then pro rough is sort of too predictable. So at some point, maybe they'll get back to Yano, but AV is really holding a grudge here. And I do think it's part of the reason the power play stinks. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think it's like three for 41 or two now. It's, it's awful. And that could really help the team. But again, coaches can be very stubborn, but uh, he's skating well. He is, you know, he's not missing games. He never does. He's, he's good on shifts. There are the occasional Keith Yandel hiccups. They're always going to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, a, a few uh, things this uh, off season that the Florida Panthers and the Philadelphia Flyers uh, did was they were trade partners with a few similar teams uh, this off season. Both the Philadelphia Flyers and the Florida Panthers were trade partners with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, of course, the Florida Panthers uh, trading a first round pick uh, for Sam Reinhart, the Philadelphia Flyers trading a first round pick for Westminster Salainen, uh, and then trading a player to Arizona in um, Shane Gossip's Fair, uh, South Florida native, and then Florida traded Anton Strawman, I almost said it, Lundell, but Strawman yeah. to the Arizona Coyotes for uh, Vladislav Kolodiachonik and a second round pick. So kind of similar trade partners there uh for for both these teams but as far as um the additions uh a big addition in uh Ken Atkinson as well as far as these uh newer additions to like kind of reboot uh this uh, uh Philadelphia Flyers teams what are you thinking of the uh those two acquisitions uh specifically or if there are any other acquisitions that you are very in favor of uh throughout this uh young season which we're pretty much a quarter of the way through
0: I know I'll go I'll, I'll tell you with Atkinson they needed a goal scorer. they got a goal scorer. his his speed is is good it's a different kind of speed than Jake Voracek had Voracek had speed when he had the puck on his stick Atkinson uh has speed without that and they can get the puck passed to him and catch, catch him in stride I think that's a little different I think they needed that quick flash that that he can give you so that's and, he, and he's another good locker room guy. So so that was good. lane has been really good in my estimation. Hit. I think if, for a while he was playing a little too over physical, overly physical. Sometimes guys come to the Flyers and they feel like they have to, you know, harken back to the old days and push everybody through the boards. He kind of stopped doing that, and now he is starting to get some shots on net. He has a great shot, but you know it takes a little too long. The trigger is kind of long on that, but he is doing that. He's skating well. Honestly, I think now that you've got this many games in, 18, 19 games in, I think the Flyers need to be talking contract with him. If they're not, if, if my feeling is if he's not signed by like February or something like that, he may, you know, tell his agent, hey, listen, we're not going to negotiate anymore during the season. And then I think he'll look UFA because he's, he's having a really good year. So if the Flyers are smart, I think they would jump on this. That That's just my opinion.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there on the contract. I think that he's done enough to at least start those conversations, and you know maybe you you see how the next five to ten games go, and then if things are progressing in the same way, you you lock that in.
1: Yeah, as 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 far as return, I thought I thought that the that the Sabers got a great return for uh, Rasmus for and a better one that they did for uh, Sam Reinhart. And I was like, Whoa. And this was a guy that was uh, very underwhelming in his time in uh, Buffalo. And I, I hear, of course, with Lock, with, of course, with Locked on AHL, we hear more Sabres talk without uh, Joe DiBiase being there on Tuesdays and uh, Fridays. So we hear, we heard a lot about Rasmus Salina about how Sabre fans weren't like the biggest fans uh, of uh, Rasmus, but it looks like that he's now in a better situation, a better system that fits better for him.
0: Yeah, he doesn't have everybody Rasmus. <laughs>
1: I think it just got sort of toxic
0: with the fans and him after a while in Buffalo. Uh, what I would say also is they did give up too much, the Flyers, but they didn't give up too much if, if, if they get Ristolainen and get him extended. If they don't get him extended, it will be a disaster of a trade because they did give them a lot. If they get them extended, I could live with it, but it still was a lot.
1: It's Thanksgiving, we all know what that means, football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new, updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. And it's not just football. BetOnline has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino game. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online we're stuffed with deals this thanksgiving
2: all right so let's wrap things up with some rapid fire thanksgiving fun questions so uh first off armando what are you thankful for this year in the world of hockey
1: i'm thankful that i get to uh, go to more games in person for sure um that that's for sure i've already uh gone to two in person i went to t- a total of uh two last year um and i feel a lot safer doing so with uh, myself being vaccinated as well so definitely uh definitely f- uh, feel safer uh going there and um fun fact for my uh locked on uh panthers listeners i will be in the building for saturday's game against the seattle kraken where the florida panthers could possibly uh break the record for uh most home wins uh, without a loss uh breaking the possibly breaking the Blackhawks' uh, record from 6364. So that's what i'm very uh thankful for. What about you guys?
0: Well, I'm thankful for the 82 game schedule. like i was getting games last year and was very happy about that but I didn't love a shortened season. I like the 82-game season because it, it is more of a proving ground. I felt last year was still a little flukish, but it, it was still an NHL season. I was okay with it. So I'm, I'm just thankful for that.
2: And I'm thankful that we got to see more teams like the Florida Panthers that we did not see <laughs> last year. I, I'm appreciating getting to see all of the talent that's around the NHL and not just the same seven teams. So that that's a good, good thing this year. All right, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side dish and dessert, Armando? Uh,
1: side dish. Um, I'd have to go with uh, mac and cheese as the side dish. Uh, people can debate whether it's a a, a regular uh, meal or a side dish. I, I see it as a side. And as far as dessert, uh, I'm a sucker for cheesecake. I am a big sucker for it. And just just even going to the movies, uh, like a regal, like right next to like, uh, in like the winter park uh, area of Orlando, it was like 11 PM. I was walking towards my car and my girlfriend and I, we see a cheesecake factory. And I said, do you just want to get a cheesecake to go? And boom, I'm a, I'm a big sucker for cheesecake. So that is my favorite uh, dessert for that.
2: Nice. I'll vary this, but I do love cheesecake
0: too. Um, I'll go with mashed potatoes and gravy. I like it. I don't care if anything else touches it; it's all good. I know some people don't like things mixing with it. I'm okay with it, and then I'll also go with the uh, cherry pie. I'm a, I'm a apple pie. You can get all the time. I just feel like cherry pie is good for a change up.
2: Mm. Uh, I'm going to be a horrible food take person, and I'm going to say I love the sweet potatoes with the marshmallows on top, and I will yeah. have that. I know, <laughs> I know. I like it i love it and i will continue to eat that and i I will say i will have an apple pie but it's gonna be like slightly fancier like it'll be like an apple crumb pie oh i like the apple crumb that's good you know and switch it up that way but you just can't go wrong with that for sure all right armando who on your team would be the best thanksgiving host
1: i i think i think uh I think the best one would probably be uh, I feel like then the best one would probably be uh, Aaron Eckblad. I feel like he's very, I feel like he'd be very hospitable um, and I feel the DJ for the party would be Frank Vertrano because he uh, does control the music in the locker room. So Aaron Eckblad would be the host uh, and Vertrano uh, would be the, the um dj there and the one who'd probably get probably the craziest at the party would probably be uh someone like ryan lomberg
2: nice
0: i could see that uh i'm gonna go with nate thompson because you know he wants everybody to look good and drip and and i think he would he would set the uh the fashion bar high at the thanksgiving table instead of guys just coming in sweaters like claude Giroux. so i think I think that's, that would be a good look for Thanksgiving, and I don't even think about who would be the DJ on the Flyers. I have no clue. Uh,
2: yeah, uh, maybe Claude Giroux. Maybe. Or Travis Connectney. I think those two would be good on the DJ front. But uh, I think also a, another good host might be Cam Atkinson. He's like a super family guy. And so I feel like he just put out a really great spread and just really try and make people feel welcome out there. And of course, like if he's the host, I think Gritty shows up automatically and that's a party, <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Then on the other side of things, who do you abandon and make do the dishes at the end of the night?
1: I, th- I think just because uh, just because he's a quiet guy and he's a rookie. I think I think that the that the Panthers would say, "Hey, we got to make the rook do it." Uh, I think they would make Anton Lundell do it, and the guy who probably wouldn't wouldn't say much. Uh, and and it, but there's two rookies on the team with uh, him and Spencer Knight, but Spencer Knight is more uh, talkative, so he probably say, "Hey, don't don't make me do it," and then Anton Lundell would just sit here like put his hands up. It's like, ah, oh, damn it, okay, and so. Yeah, probably, uh, probably for like rookie reasons, uh, I would say Anton Lindell.
0: You know, I'm gonna go with uh, Ristolainen because I just feel like it'd be funny to see a guy that big, like trying to do the dishes. He's probably gonna be all hunched over, and I think they'd make fun of him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love that. I feel like I would want to assign Joel Farabee to it, but he would do such a terrible job. <laughs> like, and there would be soap and like puddles of water everywhere when he was done, so then maybe you would have to bring in Sean Couturier for cleanup. Like, I feel I like so. he, he's just that responsible guy that's gonna make sure everything is done right.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great.
2: All right, well, happy Thanksgiving, everyone out there yeah. on uh, Locked on Flyers land and Locked on Florida Panthers land. This has been a really fun conversation Uh, a little longer than our normal shows, but totally worth it. So uh, thanks everybody. And we will see you next time.
1: So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to podcast. to be notified every single time the locked on Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to subscribe to locked on NHL and the cross check NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Will they be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. And when you're done listening to this episode of Locked on Panthers, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So I'm Armando Velez, signing off. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, We're your team every day.